Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. You can be seated. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you here this morning. I'm super excited about having the opportunity to do a baptism. So I invite Gage. Gage Hamby, come on down. And I'm excited for you to hear his story. And uh, Gage is uh, Mary and Rusty Hamby's son. So, Gage, tell them your story. Well, I uh, accepted Christ into my heart at age 14. My dad, who's a member at this church, was a big proponent in my faith. And uh, since then, I've had a, a great relationship with the Lord. I uh, just feel like now's the time I'd like to take it to a deeper level. And... Uh, so that's why I decided to get baptized here today, and um, <clears throat> got Tracy got me linked up with Kyle. Actually, I, I live down in New Orleans, so Tracy got me linked up with Kyle at Nola Baptist, and that's where I plan on continuing to grow my faith. So, really excited to do this today. That's awesome. <clears throat> Gage, have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, the Bible teaches us to follow this with baptism, so it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ, raised to walk in the newness of life. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I thank you so much for just a great honor and a great privilege it is to, to baptize Gage today, and it's been just great to, to talk with he and his family, his fiance, and just discuss uh, the meaning and significance of publicly proclaiming your faith in Christ, and, and just excited to see what the future holds, what you hold in their future for them as they really seek to build their life on the foundation of Christ and your word. And so, Lord, we pray that you are glorified greatly in their family and in their life in the days ahead. And we praise you for this celebration. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'll sing this with us. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God. Man of sorrows, Rugged cross and all oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, Hallelujah. 
blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. And the sun says free, oh, it's free. Thank you. Thank you for the cross of Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have in him. Father, help us to worship you as we sing of your redeeming love. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's face. And sin plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, and sinners plunged flood lose all their guilty stay you dying lamb you dying lamb thy precious blood shine 
God, we thank you for the fact that we are covered by Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross. Lord, that you have given us hope. Father, that you no longer see our sin, but you see the righteousness of Christ. Thank you for such an undeserved gift. God, we pray this morning that you would work in our hearts as we sing songs, as we pray prayers, as we have baptisms, as we preach the word, Father. We pray that it would all be a way that we honor you and we glorify you and your name. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? We got it all going on in this service today. We got the baptism, the word of God, worship, the Lord's Supper, and everything. If you didn't grab the Lord's Supper on your way in, this is the the COVID version of Lord's Supper. We're going to try to keep it uh, separate. So they're on the baskets on all the aisles. You're not going to offend me. If you didn't get one and you want one for the end of the service, here's your chance. Go get one now, and we will, uh, at the end of the service, partake in the Lord's Supper. And... uh, See, that's good. That's good. Go for it. If you still are thinking, wait, I didn't get one, but I'm embarrassed. Get up. Go get it. We're happy to have you. Go get it now. Uh, you were probably talking and getting to know your, your, your friends and family as you came in and missed the baskets. All right. Well, we're studying the gospel of Luke, and we're in chapter 7. And we are towards the end of his sermon where he has been preaching to his disciples, but he's been preaching to them in earshot of the crowds. The crowds of people who have been following him. And the basic uh, point today is this. Talk is cheap. That's what Jesus is basically looking at his people and he is saying, look, talk is cheap. Uh, If you think about the scene, if you think about who Jesus is preaching to by this time, he's attracted a large crowd of people. And you can imagine that in that crowd, there's people at all different places in their walk And a lot of them are probably saying, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm into this guy. I'm one of his disciples. And they're giving it lip service. And he's been teaching them along the way. The first thing he taught them at the beginning of his sermon or his message to them was, you need to have an eternal perspective on life. Remember he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for theirs will be the kingdom. And so he was saying, if you have an eternal perspective, then you as a follower of Christ are blessed. You may not see those blessings until the final days where you're with Christ eternally. And in fact, you can expect many times in this life, you're gonna be persecuted or you're gonna have difficulty and you're gonna have trials for the very reason of you have chosen to follow Christ. 
So it's really contradictory to uh, the very popular prosperity gospel that says, if you just believe Jesus, everything's going to go great. Well, he's saying, no, you probably will have a lot of sacrifice and a lot of suffering in this life if you choose to follow Christ. But you are blessed because eternally you have great reward. And then he also said, love others inside the church, but also, and this was kind of the revolutionary concept, love others outside the church, love your enemies even those who are persecuting you, even those who are vehemently opposed to you, especially because of your decision to follow Christ, love them with the love that Jesus has shown you. And that was radical, and, and that's something we will constantly be challenged to, to need the Lord, need his grace to enable us to do that. But he's saying, if you are my disciples, talk is cheap, That's his point today. In these hard teachings of loving your enemies and sacrifice now, knowing that eternally it'll be worth it, he says, just saying you're my disciple is not enough. What do we mean when we we say talk is cheap? The idea is, you know, you can say something, but ultimately it's a lot easier to say it than it is to do it. It's a lot easier to say you're a follower of Christ But ultimately, God says, you've got to live it. You can't just talk it. And so a lot of people in the crowds are saying, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm one of his disciples. And he is saying, listen, if you are my disciples, then it will show up in your obedience. And that's the key today. It's all about obedience. Jesus demands obedience from his disciples, That is the true evidence that you are a disciple of Jesus is if you are obeying Jesus. It's not enough just to say I'm a follower of Christ. It's not enough just to say I'm a quote-unquote Christian. Surveys show that just about every single person in Shreveport says I'm a Christian and I go to this church or that church. And Jesus says talk is cheap. What I'm looking for, Jesus says, is obedience. So my prayer today is that all of us leave here today with a renewed commitment to obedience, a renewed passion to genuinely pursue Christ with all of our lives. I I gave Gage a hard time. I said, brother, you're coming in at the wrong time. You're about to get a whole sermon that I've written for this Sunday as, as I was preparing him for baptism. And it was all about this idea of, hey, if you want to get baptized, if you want to proclaim your faith in Christ, which I'm excited, not like he had a problem with this message. He just had to sit there and take it from me. But, you know, if you want to proclaim your, your faith in Christ, then you've got to back it up with obedience. And that's true for all of us. And I pray that we're challenged to make sure that we genuinely are committed to obedience as we look at three principles of obedience today. Let's ask the Lord for help this morning in applying his word. Lord, would you give us ears to hear your message? And Lord, not only to to hear it, but hear it in the biblical sense, which means to hear and obey your message. So Lord, help us this morning build our lives, renew our commitment, or maybe for the first time, make the commitment to be people who are passionate about obeying your word. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. 
All right, we're going to look at three principles of obedience. The first principle is found in verses 39 through 42. I'm in chapter 7 of Luke. Luke 7, 39 through 42. Listen to what, what Luke records. Luke says, he also told them a parable. So he's continuing through the sermon that Jesus has been preaching on the, the mountainside there to his disciples with the crowds listening. He told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? How can you say, but, excuse me, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of th- that's in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. All right, so let's pause there. In these verses, notice the whole emphasis here is on leading on teaching, he talks about a leading parable, leading a blind, leading a blind. Teaching, a disciple will be equal to his teacher. He won't rise above the teacher. You're learning to lead others if you're a disciple. That's been the whole point. Jesus, when he says, follow me, it's not just a one generation thing. Jesus is not just saying, hey, follow me so that you can reach the point where I can say, okay, you follow her, you're a follower. To follow Jesus means to learn to be a disciple maker like Jesus. If Jesus is making disciples, if Jesus is teaching others, then if you follow Jesus and you learn from Jesus, then you will, by definition, become one who teaches others, one who leads others, one who disciples others. So incorporated in the very concept of being a disciple is this culminating, culminating idea of that you are a disciple maker if you are a disciple. You will be leading others if you are following Jesus. You will be teaching others if you are learning from Jesus. And so Jesus, in his equipping of his disciples, Luke records this portion of his sermon where he says, now look, what kind of leader are you going to be if you don't even obey yourself? So the first principle we see is this. Obedience is required for effective discipleship. I ask you to write this down. There's three principles. The first one is this. Obedience is required for effective discipleship. We see this in verse 39. We can't be blind, i.e. not obey, and lead others. We'll both fall in a pit together. In verse 40, we can't disciple others beyond where we are as teachers. The old thing of do as I say, not as I do, doesn't work. We can't disciple someone beyond where we are. 
A teacher doesn't go above, a, a student doesn't rise above the teacher, it says, a student will become like the teacher. Verse 41, we can't help others with their sin if we're not dealing with our own sin. And the, the deal in the, the parable is just obviously, it's ridiculous to imagine this scene, and it's intentionally sarcastic and ridiculous. Imagine you walking around with a log. <laughs> so he says, imagine you having a log hanging out of your eye. And then you're going to go point to someone else, hey, you got that little speck in your eye. It's like, seriously? You big, fat hypocrite? That's what we would all say, right? That's what, that's what he's saying. He says, you cannot help someone else deal with their sin if you're not dealing with your own sin. You can't help someone else strive to obey Jesus if you aren't serious about obedience in your own life. A hypocrite is one who does not apply his own teaching. Often when I heard that phrase, this, that, that verse that's very popular is don't, don't judge me, don't think about the speck in my eye if you've got a log in your eye. I kind of always thought of it uh, in different terms. I really hadn't thought about it until I studied this text this week in terms of being a discipler, in terms of being a teacher. I always kind of thought of this verse like off a distance and casting stones at someone for their sin. That's not really what this verse is saying. That applies, but what it's really saying is you can't lead others to holiness and to pursue holiness if you're not taking it serious in your own life. You have to apply the word of God in your own life to be able to take others where you want to go. So the first principle is obedience is required for effective discipleship. So I'm just going to warn you, I'm going to stomp on a lot of toes today because my toes got stomped on all week. And when my toes get stomped, I like to share that with y'all on Sunday. But think about this. Parents, let's do something. If God has blessed you with children, I want you to say out loud, yeah, I want you to say it out loud, some do's and some don'ts that you want for your children. Tell me a do. I do want my kid to do what? Let's hear some popcorn here. Y'all just tell me. What's some things you do want for your kids? Okay, you want them to succeed. Hunger for God. I do want them to hunger for God. I want them to be respectful. I want them to read the word. Get a good education. Respect their parents. Love others. What are some things you do not want for your kids to do? You do not want your kids to do. <laughs> oh, wait, you can't say those in public. <laughs> don't want them to be, let's do the opposite of all those. <laughs> don't want them to be failures. Don't want them to be disrespectful. Don't want them to be partiers. Don't want them to be wild. Don't want them to be uh, failures. Don't want them to be dropouts, whatever all the others are, right? <laughs> You're going to lose that one, brother. <laughs> so if that's what you do, want for your kids and what you don't want your kids, I hope you wrote those down because that better be what you're doing and what you're not doing. That's your job description. If you don't want your kids, now this is a principle. Obviously, you can't guarantee your kids will turn out a certain way, but the general principle is you better be 
who you want your kids to be. It's about being. It's about doing. It's about obedience. If you live a certain lifestyle of worldliness, enslaved to the career, all about the almighty dollar, and church is just kind of minimalized, and Jesus is just kind of afterthought that you sprinkle in at the dinner table, guess what you're likely to find for your kids? Exactly the same. You can't live that way and then give the word to your kids and think that they're going to take your word and ignore your lifestyle. It doesn't work that way. Obedience is required for effective discipleship. Jesus says in this verse, uh, and I'm going to substitute disciple with the word child. A child is not above their parents. But everyone, when every child, when he or she is fully trained, will be like their parents. Ouch. Should have brought those steel-toed shoes when you came in. Very hard message to hear. Very convicting. But I pray that it does convict in a healthy way that leads us to a new passionate pursuit of obedience and godliness. But why? Because God is gracious. God is gracious. Principle number one, obedience is required for effective discipleship. We see our second principle in verses 43 through 45. Look what he says in 43 through 45. For, that means the reason, is for no good tree bears bad fruit. It just doesn't happen. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor, again, does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from bramble bush. I don't know what a bramble bush is, but I know it doesn't, it's not a grape vine. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I never will forget the most embarrassing, one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. I'm not proud of this, but it was in middle school at camp. And I had gotten to a place where I was pretty much a hypocrite. And I was living a very veneer Christian life to make all the church leaders happy. But in my heart, there was a lot of stuff that the Lord wasn't pleased with. And there was this moment at camp where I was doing, a, this is big time stuff in middle school, if you remember. I was doing a double flip. That was the goal for everybody that day. And it was going to turn into a belly flop, and I knew it. And what came of my, out of my mouth was very unpleasing to the Lord and to all the people there. And when I went in the water and I swam on the ladder, I said, I'm not coming up. I'm just going to drown right here. And that would be, I would be happier doing that than having to face everybody at camp. Out of the mouth overflows the heart. 
Principle number two, obedience reveals the true condition of the heart. Obedience reveals the true condition of the heart. In these verses, Jesus is drilling down deeper for basically the same point. His point is that the truth will come out. Sooner or later, the truth is going to come out. Actions speak louder than words. It's one thing to say you're a Christian. It's one thing to say I'm following Christ. But ultimately, what do your actions say? Your lifestyle doesn't lie. Out of the abundance of the heart flows your actions and your words. You can't fake it. You can't fake it for the long term, at least not those who really know you and see you. The true character of a disciple will be revealed over time through their actions more than their words. So when Jesus says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good What is he saying? That's the key to this whole verse, to this whole passage. He's saying it's not about your words. It's not talk is cheap, but it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. You see, when God grabs you in your heart and cracks open the hardened heart of stone, or as the Bible would say, you're born again, or you're given a new heart, a heart that's of flesh instead of of stone, when the Spirit of God, these are all different ways of saying the same thing, when the Spirit of God is in your heart changing you, it will show up in your actions. It, He, the Holy Spirit, God in you, will produce obedience. It's As matter of fact, as you walk up to a tree and you see apples hanging from it, you know it's an apple tree. You don't say, well, I wonder if this is a grape tree. Because you see the fruit. And if you see lack of fruit, you say, something's wrong here. And that's what Jesus is saying. Talk is cheap. Obedience is absolutely required because obedience is what comes out of a heart that has been changed by God. It is a fact. Disciples will grow in holiness. If you're not growing in holiness over the long span of your life, then you're not a disciple of Jesus. It's that clear in the scriptures. The true character of a disciple will be revealed by their obedience over time. Obviously, we struggle at times. I've shared with you already an example. And we can be hypocrites for a season. But if you take the long view of life, you will see Christ and his holiness showing up in a person's life. It is a matter of fact. This means that Jesus' disciples must truly have new hearts transformed by the Spirit of God, and that happens upon trusting solely in Jesus Christ. That when we see our sin, our offense is not just against a person, but it's against a holy God 
who created us for his glory and for the full, complete enjoyment of him eternally, and yet we've rebelled against him and we've sinned against him, and yet he says, I give you my son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to take the penalty that you deserve for your sin, and upon realizing this glorious gift from God, you receive it, you put your faith and your trust completely, solely, only in the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you only know, you know the only way that you're going to be considered righteous before God is if you get credit for Jesus' righteousness, and that's exactly the good news of the gospel. And when you trust in Christ, he indwells you. Paul speaks of it in terms of he is in you and Christ, you are in Christ. The Spirit of God gives you a new heart, and you start to discover surprising new desires surprising new longings. You start to find church not so boring because you feel God is speaking to you. And it becomes a relationship instead of dead, boring religion. It becomes a fostering of a relationship with a living God. And the word of God starts to come to life and you read it and you're just touched by it and he he's showing himself to you and you start to hear what he wants for your life and you start to believe it is good and you start to apply it and you stumble and bumble and you still fail but you are pursuing Christ and people start to see you are different and you start to display the holiness you start to display Christ like you start to look like the one that you are following And every day that you do, every time obedience comes out of you, every time something from Christ comes out in your character, you are encouraged, I am a disciple of Jesus. Because the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. This is not legalism. This is not do good things and God will love you. This is not do enough good things and you'll be good enough to God. It's the exact opposite It's you can't be good enough. God has been good enough for you. Receive that gift and out of love and gratitude and appreciation, you commit to live for him and you love him. And that propels your worship. That propels your Bible study. That propels your time in the word. That propels your prayer because he has changed you from the inside and it's coming out of you like fruit. That's What you want is the new heart, the new treasure. This is what John the Baptist was requiring before he baptized those in in Luke chapter three, when they were coming because the crowds were coming. Everybody's like, hey, there's this new gig in town. His name is John the Baptist and he's baptizing and they were all lining up. And then these Pharisees who were all about outward fake religion, John says, you wicked brood of vipers, get away because I need to see repentance. I need to see a changed life that matches your talk. Principle number two, obedience obedience reveals the true condition of the heart. Look at your actions. And then answer the question, am I really a disciple of Jesus? So we've seen first, obedience is required for effective discipleship. 
Second, obedience reveals the true condition of the heart. Finally, our third principle is in verses 46 through 49. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Told you this was not fun. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Lord meaning master. Why do you call me master and you don't do what I tell you to do? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. This is just full of analogies and parables. And he says, let me show you what it's like. to For the one who does what I tell him, he's like a man building a house. We've got some builders in here who dug deep, laid the foundation on rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against the house and could not shake it. Why? Because it had been well built. That's the one who hears and obeys, well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. How foolish. Who builds a house when there's no foundation? It just screams foolishness. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. Not a slow ruin, clear ruin. And the ruin of that house was great. Third principle, number three. Obedience is the foundation of a strong and healthy life. Obedience is the foundation of a strong and healthy life. And I mean life in the full, most comprehensive sense of that word. What does everyone want in life? If you're not married, you just want to be strong and healthy and be able to handle the trials and the storms and the floodwaters that are going to come. If you're married, everyone wants a strong and healthy marriage, one that's going to endure And if God blesses you with children, everyone wants a strong, healthy family. That's what everyone wants out of life. Jesus says, if you want to be strong in him, if you want to be strong enough to withstand the trials and tribulations of this life, then your life must be rooted and grounded and built upon obedience to his word. It's that simple. Not easy, but simple, clear. If you want strong marriages, the bullseye center focus of your marriage has to be obedience to the word of God in every sense of that expression. If you want a strong family with strong kids who grow up to be strong men and women who lead strong marriages, who have strong families, your household better ooze obedience and a passionate pursuit of obedience to the word of God.
There's no other way. You can't fake it. Obedience is the foundation of a strong and healthy life. I have the privilege of doing premarital counseling with people. And I know what everyone wants in premarital counseling. They want to get married. They want to know that I got the right one. And they want to know how to have a great marriage. And I tell them, number one, Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright is whoever will agree with you to passionately pursue obedience to the word of God. That's Mr. Wright. That's Mrs. Wright. And a lot of times I'll see them because they're all secretly wondering if this is the right one. And I'm like, any two people who will come together and agree to passionately pursue obedience to Christ, which as it relates to marriage means to he lays his life down for her that she might be a disciple of Christ, that she might be glorious and beautiful in God's eyes, and that she says, yes, I want that. Let's do that together. And the two of them pursue holiness. I tell them, I guarantee you if you do that, it will be a blessed marriage. It's not easy, but it's that simple and that clear. Obedience is the way to have the strong, beautiful, glorious marriage that everybody wants. You just can't fake this. You can't have the world and the things of the world and let that be the, sec the, the secret passions of your heart. Your marriage can't be all about the world and the things of the world. Your life can't be all about the world and the things of the world and have a strong, godly life and marriage and family. You can't serve two masters. You have to choose. Which one do you want? That's what Jesus is saying. Talk is cheap. You can't fake it. It's that simple. Obedience, number three, obedience is the foundation of a strong and healthy life. In general, there's two types of people in this world. There's two types of people in this church. There's two types of people in every church. Those who give Jesus and discipleship and Christianity lip service as they pursue the world and the things of this world. And then there are those who genuinely are overwhelmed by the grace that God has shown them in Jesus Christ and they are passionately pursuing Christ and his holiness obedience with all their heart with all their soul with all their might though they fail every day I'll let you decide which one you are today are you pursuing the world and the things of the world or are you pursuing obedience to Christ I guess now that I'm 50 years old I've seen too many people come to my office fake it and I don't play games anymore. And I may come across too strong at times, but it's just too important. I don't care what you say. I wanna see it in your life. That's why we built the church this way. I hope you understand it's not about 
rules. It's not about legalism. It's not about being religious enough. It's the exact opposite. Why do we expect everyone to be in a small group if they're going to covet covenant with this membership? It's because if you're going to passionately pursue Christ, you need brothers and sisters praying for you, caring for you, helping you, encouraging you. It's the way God designed it. If you're going to pursue Christ and you want to know what his word says and you want to obey it, then you need someone to teach core classes to help you understand what does it mean? What does it look like? How do I do this? It's not about legalistic. It's not about religion. It's about things that we think are important to help you if you genuinely are pursuing Christ and obedience to him. But you have to choose. You can't have two masters. You can't have a healthy, strong life and marriage and family and be all about this world. It will crumble. You may think it's not going to because it seems like it's working now, but I'm telling you, you'll be in my office and it's crumbling. And I'll say, you're not going to undo a lifetime of this overnight. And too many times people say, I'm not willing to pay the price. So I'm warning you, if you're building your life on the world and the things of the world, when the storms come, your family, your marriage, your life will ruin. While I'm on my soapbox, I would even say if you're a member of this church and you're just going through the motions and you're giving it lip service, do yourself and everyone else in your community group a favor. Resign. I'm not talking about a short season. That happens to all of us. But I'm talking about if you know you're a phony, you're deceiving yourself and you're hurting your church family. And God has entrusted to me and the other elders to shepherd these flock and to protect them. There's no good in faking it just to put your name on a roll. That does nothing. But if you hear that warning and it's convicting, then I would just say, repent, just turn, trust Christ right now. Obedience is required for effective discipleship. Obedience reveals the true condition of your heart. Obedience alone is the foundation of a healthy life. It all flows, though, from an authentic heart of love. And so when you came in, you picked up the Lord's Supper packet. This is all about the heart that Jesus, the, the, the juice and the terrible imitation of bread, the wafer, represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I invite you to start opening it now. There's two layers. You can take the top portion off and then there's, that'll expose a wafer. And then you can take the next portion off and that will expose the juice. It's a little tricky, so go ahead and take your time. As, and as you do that, I'll just give you some instructions about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is everyone's invited if you're putting your faith and your hope solely in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That that's your only hope for being made right with God. 
If you're putting your, look at me real quick. If you're putting your hope and your trust in the blood and the body of Jesus, then you can join us. If you're putting your hope in the body and blood of Jesus plus religion, put it down. If you're putting your hope in the body and blood of Jesus plus anything, put it down because it's the body and blood of Jesus Christ alone that makes you right with God. It's only that that will fuel your obedience to Christ. So if that's what you're doing today, then we invite you to join. And let me just invite you to enter into a time of prayer. You can finish opening the elements and then just move into a time of prayer. Say, Lord, reveal to me my heart. Reveal to me the actions that have not been pleasing. What do I need to repent of? God, reveal to us where we fall short. Lord, it's not about perfection, it's about direction. That you have put our life on a new direction, one of pursuing holiness, one of resisting sin instead of embracing sin. You perfectly trusted, Lord Jesus, you perfectly trusted your heavenly Father, even unto death on the cross for our sin. And when we in a moment, when we together drink, eat the bread and drink this juice together, we, Lord, will be proclaiming that we are putting our hope and trust solely in your gift, your righteousness, not our own. And this is the treasure that's the good treasure within our heart, the greatest gift of our lives. This is what motivates us to obey you, propels us to to a life of a holiness and obedience to you. We want to truly be your disciples. We want to truly follow you. And in the next few quiet moments, search our hearts, reveal areas of disobedience, lead us to repentance, restore our hearts back to you that we might have strong lives, marriages, and families who are able to truly lead others to trust and obey you as well. As we take the bread, we read from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, one loaf of bread broken into everyone there to participate in that bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And together they ate. Lord, we thank you that you allowed your body to be pierced as punishment for our sin. You were our substitute on the cross. And then verse 25 tells us in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And together we drink. Lord, you said as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, that we proclaim the Lord's death until you come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We praise you. We thank you for your perfect obedience, your sacrificial death on the cross for our sin, for giving us credit for your perfect obedience. This is the treasure within our heart that fuels our obedience. We don't obey to try to earn your favor. We obey because you have given us your favor in Jesus Christ. It's all for his glory. Amen. Let's stand and worship together a song about our holy, righteous God who made a way and gives us access to him. So let's sing together. Who else can mantle the hosts of heaven? Who else can make every king bow down? Who else can whisper in darkness trembles? Only a holy God. What are the beauty
me from my failing who else would offer his only son who else invites me to call him father only challenged today to obey. We have been challenged to examine our lives, to examine our actions, to examine our words and see if we are living in obedience to God and his word. And I hope you leave here today with a renewed spirit, a renewed commitment to truly obey Jesus, to be a people who truly treasure Jesus and his word. You guys can be seated. I just have a few announcements for you this morning. If you're a guest, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us this morning and being here. If you haven't filled out a guest card, the best way for you to do that is to text NFCC guest to 97000. That's just going to shoot you a link where you can click on and it'll be an electronic connect card. If you fill that out, it'll come back to me and I'll just reach out to you and let you know how to get connected and what's the best way for you to be involved here at Norris Ferry. And then secondly... Um, you can text NFCC info to 97000, and that's going to sign you up for our weekly newsletter. And our weekly newsletter is going to share all the events we have at Norris Ferry and what's going on in the life of Norris Ferry. And so a few things for you guys to know coming up. Uh, today we launched two new adult core classes, a theology of work and themes of scripture. And all our core classes are at the 9 a.m. hour. And so if you'd like to attend one of those or grab more information, you can visit the welcome desk out there and there's some core class cards or you can attend the core class starting next week at 9 a.m. You can also go to our website, norrisferrychurch.org, click events, and that'll provide more information about our core classes. 
And then lastly, if you're a member, we have members meeting this afternoon at 4 o'clock from 4 to 6. And so if you are available, please, we'd love for you to join us. Uh, we have 11 new members that are joining Norris Ferry. We get to come together and fellowship with one another and, and do business with one another. And so please just come. Don't forget that we have members meeting at 4 p.m. Now, if you would just stand, and I'm going to leave you with this benediction. The Lord is faithful who will strengthen you and keep you from the evil one. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love God has for you and into his word. May the steadfastness of Christ be given to you. You guys are dismissed.